Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. sort of day uh, i still need to tweet out that this is happening uh it's been some kind of day but i'm so excited to talk about this movie this movie that i loved a lot but before we yeah. get started you want to explain a little bit about what we're doing here guys if you don't know what we're doing what the fuck are you doing get your shit together that's what get you need to together. do and the words of like of copland yo what the fuck you gotta get your shit together you guys are awful fuck you yeah go do this mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that is copland to a t <laughs> that is completely incredibly copland yeah um yeah so drew and i we have a show called cinema bias where we dive into our personal movie biases but right now we're really really focusing the show in particular uh really focusing on directors or uh, and kind of watching the filmography evolution. So right now we're focusing on John Mangold. And uh, uh, James Mangold. Jane, what, oh my gosh, I keep getting that wrong. I don't know why. It's James, yeah, James Mangold. And last week we covered Heavy, his directorial debut from like 95. Mm-hmm. And now we're going directly into Copland. Um, right, we started we start yeah. with Kate and Leopold because we're crazy. Uh, yes. Then we decided to go from King Lee Pole to his directorial debut because that made sense. And now we kind of skipped ahead to Copland, which I believe was his second film. This was like a biggie for him because this has a bunch of big people, guys. Um, before we yeah. get into that even, like, let's just say that our stream labs are open, guys. So feel free to throw in a couple bucks and help keep the lights on. Uh, streamlabs.com backslash video. Drew, you see it right up in the bar here. Um, and yeah, I mean... I gotta tell you, Alex, what kind of bias did you go into with this movie? I have a huge bias against movies like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is not a genre I gravitate towards. I mm-hmm. also not a fan of crime movies as much. I do a lot. A lot of the movies I loved growing up were big family films were like American Psycho. They mm-hmm. were Silence of the Lambs and things like that. However, um, movies like Copland were, I guess, in in theory, too engraved in reality. Mm-hmm. And I, as a result, I like I didn't really grow up watching a lot of crime movies. But also, I, I, I've always kind of known of this movie, but I never watched this movie. Yeah, I would say that uh, I've known this movie existed. I thought, like we said last week, uh, I thought it starred 
Steven Seagal. <laughs> I had no idea about the cast list. I thought this was like a big like mm-hmm. action movie and it was very much not that. Um, so yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was not expecting to like this as much as I did. I loved Copland. From the moment it opened and I heard Robbie De Niro's voice telling me about the Transit Authority, which that's that's me. That's my jam. Like if I wasn't if I hadn't been like an entertainment reporter, I swear to God, I would have been on like the Transit Authority beat because I think it's like so fascinating. The people <laughs> in uh, New York who like work on the, the specifically this this angle of being a cop of like working mm-hmm. on the MTA and like working on you know you know the, the roads and everything and and catching catching bad guys that way. It's a super nebulous I feel like kind of thing to be a Transit Authority person. Mm-hmm but they do have sort of like notoriously cushy gigs and it's sort of like what led to Bridgegate, uh, that whole thing with uh, the brought down Chris Christie and the whole transit authority stuff is really interesting to me. Uh, so the moment it opened and it was like the transit authority and I was like, great, my only kind of cops that I'm interested in hearing about. Uh, I was like, <laughs> yeah. cool, I'm like, I'm sold. And then it's like, they have their own special town and like in up in New Jersey and it's like their special little hole hideaway. And then it's like, oh, but now they're like doing this crazy ass shit and they're just like straight up murdering people. And Harvey Keitel's there. And Sylvester Stallone doesn't have all his hearing. And uh, that guy who's not Michael Madsen, but is named uh, Rappaport. Uh, Rappaport's there because it's like in the 80s or like early 90s. And of course, like Michael Rappaport has to be there. Um, Harvey Keitel, like I said, Robbie De Niro doing one of those like Robert De Niro showed up for three days and decided not to be on set with anybody else in this picture kind of movie. It's just like his scenes are completely set somewhere else in everyone else's scenes. Uh, it's so good. And then the chick who looks like Elena Douglas, but is not Elena Douglas. And I cannot think of her name. Janine Garofalo? No, not Janine Garofalo, although she's great in this. Uh, the other the other woman. Annabella, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm pulling it up right now. Annabella Sayora? Yeah. Which, where is she from? Well, I I recognized her and I was like, I know she she has like she definitely has those faces. I'm like, I've seen her somewhere, but she has been in a bunch of movies. Like she was in Jungle Fever. Um, she she's been in a ton of TV shows. Um, like uh, she was in Daredevil. I mean, yeah. Netflix's Daredevil, which is kind of crazy. Um, but she was like on a bunch of movies, like Find Me Guilty. She was in okay. the L word. I know, I know she's from something. I was like, Marissa Tomei, and I was like, not Marissa Tomei. Yeah, yeah like, but, like uh, but she's like so like a tropey actor. I feel like I maybe she's yes. here in Scorsese or something. But she's like, I saw her and I was like, oh yeah, that woman from the nineties or like early nineties, late eighties. Hold, hold up, hold up. Are you talking about the blonde? I'm talking about the person in Sylvester Stallone's love interest. No, not okay. Catherine. Yeah, you, not yeah, Catherine, you're not, Yeah, blonde is Catherine. What's her name? Kathy Catherine. Moriarty. Wait, I thought the blonde chick was uh, Kathleen Turner. Was that not true? No, Kathy oh Moriarty. God. Um, I saying I remember Kathy Moriarty specifically from when we covered Raging Bull. We never covered Raging Bull. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. When we didn't cover it, I was I remember talking over it with my friends. I when I fought. I saw it for the first time, but she's in that, and she actually has oh. a nice little reunion between her and Robert De Niro. Actually, oh, she's she's from Soap Dish. I remember. I always used to confuse her for literally Kathleen Turner because she has a very Kathleen Turner like voice and Kathleen Turner like face. So I can mm-hmm. get they're very that. similar. Yeah. Um, also, I forgot to mention there's a lot more people in this movie than those people. There's Ray Liotta playing like a, a cop whose house burns down. There's 
Robert Patrick from Terminator 2. This time just playing like a regular Terminator Transit Authority oh. cop. Uh, who's like still so scary looking, even with that silly mustache. Uh, oh my God. This is, there's so much going on here. Uh, so Harvey Keitel. Well, Harvey Keitel is the like sort of like good cop. No, everyone. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Well, Drew, I hate to break it to you, but this is like this movie is not like uh, it's not a movie about like a few people. This is like one of the biggest crime ensembles I have ever seen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's casino. Like, there's like there's like a well, Godfather. Yeah, but that's true. But this movie in particular, I have never seen a movie, a crime movie, where it feels like every single actor or actress that's in this movie. Mm-hmm. has a history of doing a ton or like almost like career crime actors essentially harvey keitel ray liotta i i was like i was like talking to a bunch of people and i was like i can't think of five movies with ray liotta where he's not a criminal or a cop essentially every like yeah, every i feel like that's 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 the ray liotta thing yeah ray liotta is yeah, like so never that's, a, that's his, his shtick Kathy moriarty and she's constantly um Edie Falco. Um, Edie even, Falco for one scene, Edie Falco. Yeah. And she, like, obviously, famously in The Sopranos. Um, but yeah, everyone that's in this movie, yeah, everyone that's in this movie has like a lot of uh, that have a history of being involved in crime films or crime TV, essentially. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, it's, it's very much like of the era that it is. You know, yes. like this is of the. Uh, this is of the era of these big crime, you know, big cast things. What I was surprised about was just like, right, how many they are, but then also how many like secret little Easter eggs are. Like, you don't think of like the Terminator 2 guys necessarily being the most like cop movie guy ever. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, That's true. Uh, Robert Patrick. I mean, he's just, he's just a really scary looking good actor. Um, it is, uh, it is his most iconic role though. But T2? This, this yeah. is not his most iconic role. The T2 is absolutely his most iconic role. Oh, no, that's what I mean. No, he like T2 was his most iconic role, but he also is in uniform for that movie. He took over for Mulder when Mulder went missing for a bit in the X-Files. He uh, he was just in The Walking Dead. I mean, he's in stuff. Um, this movie, how is this movie not a, a Scorsese movie, I guess is my question. Like, James Mangold so knocks it out of the park with this. And I think this is a great example of like what we're talking about here with his little bit of a all over the place kind of content, um, which I appreciate. That's the thing I appreciate about James Mangold in this Mangolden age of cinema. Hey, Brennan. Hey, great well, day for you, Brennan. Hi, Brennan. Channel. Well, Drew, I'm kind of curious about you. What was your bias? Oh, yeah. I don't think I like this kind of movie. to watch this movie. I, yeah, I don't think I like these kind of movies in general. Like when I'm just like, again, like, cause I think I thought of it was Steven Seagal and I honestly didn't know it had this kind of cast list. When I saw it was James Mangold, I was like, okay, I can't, yeah. I can't. I'm guessing he's not going to mess this up like Kate Leopold style. Like he's going to understand dudes, I think a little bit better than he understands romance mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, and that's what this movie was. I mean, this movie was perfect for what it was, which is like a movie in which there are not that many female characters that have to do anything, but the story itself is super compelling and like you and I like pride myself in being able to guess where stories are going narratively and like I had no idea like what was unfolding so what happens is like Harvey Keitel just to break it down for you uh Harvey Keitel is like this hero cop he's got this hero nephew uh who's uh not who's not Kathleen Turner's uh son 
and he like saved these what these two or three black kids from like a fire or something once he's just like known as this hero michael rapaport but then he gets into this car drag race incident with these other black teens and ends up shooting them because he hears his tire blow out and mistakes it for a gunshot and while they're sort of like all the cops sort of descend on the bridge and i think i don't know if it's like the george washington bridge or where it is it's like one of those new jersey to new york bridges and uh, they descend on the bridge. They plant evidence on the kids to make it look like they had a gun. And Michael Rappaport, seemingly disgusted by this, uh, jumps off a bridge and disappears. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, oh, he's dead. Uh, let's just forget about it forever. We never touched the water. We never, never never, heard him touch the water. We just hear Harvey Keitel saying in the most unconvincing voice, he jumped. Like that wasn't his nephew like who did it. He's just like, oh, he jumped. That's what uh, happens to cops, I guess. Yeah. That's what happens when you're a cop and someone dies. You go, he jumped. And then you kind of shrug it off and your partner of Terminator 2 just like straight up plants mm-hmm. evidence. Um, so, well, go ahead. Well, I, I do know cops do. They're they're kind of like a dentist where they have an unusual, like a unusually high suicide rate, which honestly kind of dentist. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, like, I know dentists are technically, as far as, like, profession-wise, if you align profession, uh, if you correlate profession to suicide rate, dentists have been, like, number one for, like, as far as I know, forever. But who knows? That might might have changed. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe that was a complete, like, internet fabrication. Who knows? Um, I, I've been told that that's the same thing that goes for cops, uh, just because, similar to, like, people in the military, there's, you know... PTSD. A lot of people have a hard time adapting and or mistakes happen. <laughs> How does and, that fit with the dentist thing though? Not to derail this conversation too much already. I, but I like, don't know. What is going on with the dentist community? Some people are some people mentioned something about like the drugs. Some people have said something about the idea of like seeing working with people's teeth. I got no clue because dental hygienists apparently are like also in the conversation. I mean, but like, surgeons I could see because like surgeons are like life and death every day, but I think surgeons yes. also have this like a god complex a lot of times where they just like don't it never consider like yes. it never occurs to them to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Or something. I've never met a cardiovascular surgeon or a neurosurgeon where they're like chill. They've always been like how many the, um, blah, blah, blah. Like, how many um, neurosurgeons you meeting on the daily on the daily, Alex? No, well, I'm mostly I've been to a lot of like I've been to quite a few dinners and stuff because my mom's a surgeon, and oh, so I that. yeah, my mom's a surgeon, and so every time she would go to like um, like she would go to like a a dinner or something like that for the hospital or um, the department would be taken out for a function or something like that. Um, my mom would always allow to guest, so I would just go for the free food yeah, but i would I, also, I, also be sitting next to some very fancy people as a result my, my my friend from college like my craziest friend the one who like went so hard that when everyone talked about like who went too hard in college it was always drew in this one chick dara she turned out to be like an er uh like nurse like a trauma nurse and like her and her husband just deal with that every day and i'm just like man yeah, you, I think you gotta be a little bit crazy to go that hard, like and to be mm-hmm. like look at people's bones and shit every day. Like sometimes she would just send me shit pictures of people's teeth, and I'm like, what's she doing over oh. there? Oh, I like, think came out of someone's mouth on the highway. I stand corrected. We do have a list according to um, psychotherapy.net. I don't know how real, how true to. Well, it's therapy.net. Let's take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, let's take it with a grain of salt for sure. Number one is medical doctors, like, I mean, which makes sense. Oh, Two is yeah. dentists. Three Jesus. is police officers. Four is veterinarians. 
I knew veterinarians. <laughs> I was going to call veterinarians. So there's men. definitely a pattern of a lot of people in, in that. In just well, the people who have the power of life and death. Medical, like, yeah. hold that um, kind of power over other people. And, and pharmacists yeah. are also in the top 10 as well. We're seeing, we're seeing what it is. It's like who has access to the drugs, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, but yeah, police officers are number three, though. So, surprising. Not surprised. Again, it's like a life yeah. and death thing. Like, it's like who has control over other people's like life and death situations. And it can cause a lot of guilt and shame, as we see in this movie. Because Sylvester Stallone, meanwhile, is the sheriff of this. Uh, what is he? Is he sheriff? He's a sheriff. Sure. Yeah, sheriff. He's sheriff. a sheriff of, of, of Copland or wherever it is. It's this New Jersey little suburb that a bunch of uh, cops have, like, from the Transit Authority, have come together and bought, like, this community and built up their nice little houses. And it's their nice, quiet little home that they can go to in Jersey and not have to deal with the shit from, like, the city. Um, and Sylvester mm -hmm. Sloan's the sheriff of there because he couldn't be a really uh, a real cop because his hearing is bad he's because he's deaf. Drowning. At the time, apparently, he was deaf in one ear. Yes, he's deaf in one ear. And this will come up literally once in the movie as, like, an issue. And it will uh -huh. be in the climax. It, it comes up, like, I feel like almost every no, no, other conversation. They bring it up all the time saying, but oh. as it relates to, like, him being able to do his job, it, like, functionally only is an issue once. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's really frustrating. We're like, oh, yeah. You're, it's like, oh, if only you had been this or kind of thing. And he's just like, cool. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I'm deaf in one ear. Like, I'm not, I'm not. Like, at some point, I was like, can you read lips? And he's like, I'm deaf in one ear. Like, no, like, that's not. I, I'm like, Willy Wonka's deaf in one ear. A lot of people are deaf in one like, ear. Like, what's happening? Um, and and he's, he's just like, yeah, there was just an accident when I was a kid. <laughs> like, well, it was an accident. He saved a girl from drowning. And he went in the river after her. And he's been in love with her ever since. And she instead married this other jerk cop. Um. Meanwhile, so that's all going on. His new recruit is Janine Garofalo. She's in town. She's very young. Like, I think some of the, one of the youngest performances I've seen from Janine Garofalo, um, mm -hmm. especially that's not a comedic role. And they pull over uh, Harvey Keitel and uh, Michael Patrick, or what, Pat, I can't remember his name, guy's name, something Patrick, the Terminator 2 guy. And in the mm -hmm. backseat of the car, hiding underneath the car or seat is Robert Patrick, is, uh, is Michael Rappaport. Because he's still alive, woo! But we don't know that. Like we know that as the audience, but uh, Stallone doesn't know that. And basically, what starts unraveling is this thing where the cult community knows that Michael Rappaport's alive. They're gonna send him off secretly away somewhere so he can like live out the rest of his days. But like everyone else in the world needs to think that he died on that bridge because he definitely shot two like innocent kids, and they're gonna cover it up and blah blah. blah. Meanwhile, <laughs> this plot is so complicated. Meanwhile, there's Ray Liotta. Who's best friends with uh who's best friends with Stallone and whose house burns down with his girlfriend inside, so he's really fucked up for a while. Um, they hold this goodbye party for <clears throat> for Michael Rappaport, at which point it's revealed that Harvey Keitel and and Robert uh or whatever, John Patrick, whatever, is going to kill him. They're just playing on like killing him. They took They're him away. So chill about it. No big deal. Sorry? They're just so chill about it. Everyone is like so chill. But everyone yeah. is like in the know, like mm -hmm. at, oh, they're all everything is everything is going on. But if you're Me, not part of yeah. this core group, you're fucked. Yeah. And meanwhile, by the way, Robert De Niro is not part of this core group, but he shows up and he's like, I'm from the Bureau of Internal Affairs. And if you ever heard about those kind of people, like and they start sniffing their own nose around like what's going on, like you're kind of fucked. are hated. They're hated because they're like the narcs of narcs. Like they're yeah. like, so they show up and Robert De Niro's like, 
talking to Sylvester Stallone. He's like, look, you want a chance to be a real hero. You're going to come. You're going to testify that you know this guy's alive. You're going to testify against Keitel. And he's like, nah, I'm not sure if he actually knew for certain that Rappaport was alive. And I'm not sure if he ever saw him. But he's like, nah, I don't think I'm going to ruin my community that I'm the sheriff of and facing incre like increasingly big threats from like Keitel and Robert Patrick about like what's going to happen to me if I squeal. Meanwhile, like the girl's boyfriend or the girl's husband who he likes, uh, he gets murdered by cop. He's murdered by cop by like Superboy. He's like he's be he's chasing someone and gets like knocked off of a roof or something, and they just don't come and get him. Like they have enough time to come and get him, and they just choose not to. They, they like unlock the door super slowly. From what I remember, Harvey Keitel he goes on and he's like, and he sees him, and he's like, he sees him like dangling off the roof. Yeah. Um, from the little antenna thing. And he's like, huh. And he's like, closes the door, locks it. And from what we learn at the end, I think it's implied that the guy who threw him off the roof is part of like, was sent by somebody in the mafia because it turns out, surprise, surprise, Harvey Keitel is on the make this whole town. In case you just needed more iteration, I think he probably did back then. That like, it couldn't just be bad cops. They had to be bad cops who were secretly mafia, like secretly owned by the mafia. It couldn't just be that these cops were like evil and in like accordance with one another. And that was just, that was just it. It was like, no, this has to be a mafia conspiracy. And it's kind of like half baked the whole mafia subplot. I thought it would have been better if it was just like, these cops are fucking evil. They created a town. They want to like be like exempt from the law that they were hired to like protect. And like, that's, that's some bullshit. So Harvey Keitel finds, I mean, uh, Sloan finds Michael Rappaport. Sorry, this is such a plot-heavy story, but it is. It is he finds Rappaport. He's going to turn him into Robert Nero, who no longer wants anything to do with the case because they shut it down. And I guess internal affairs doesn't give that much of a shit uh, at the end of the day. And uh, he's going to bring Rappaport to De Niro. But Harvey Keitel intercepts, shoots out his his ear device, or like shoots out his good. No, he shoots out his good ear, or like shoots right next to his good ear. So the Stallone is just deaf. And he's like screaming and holding his ear. And he like figures out that uh, Ray Liotta actually burned his own house down on like an automated timer and didn't expect his girlfriend to be in there. So he's like, fuck everything. Fuck this whole fucking place. Gets a shotgun and proceeds to just go door by door shooting every single person in Cop Town until he gets to Harvey Keitel, who's like lying on the ground trying to talk to him. And he's like, I can't hear you. And just shoots him. And then he shows up in town back in New York where everyone calls him a hero cop for shooting a bunch of other cops, which I think is a very optimistic way of uh, thinking about it. Uh, uh, Rappaport like, confesses. We hear at the end during this very Scorsese-like like, end monologue from like some news reports that he's got his hearing back, thank God. And it's like, well, how much does the news care about this cop shooting other cop getting his hearing back? I don't know. Um, but all in all, it is like a great film. There's so much going on here. It's it's kind of a it's while watching this movie, I was constantly reminded of Shakespeare that and combined with um, uh, Scorsese as well. But at the it's same time, it's definitely really, especially with the big finale, the shootout, and everything at the end. I thought it was incredibly. It was it was really well done overall um great performance yeah. all around um uh, but but also at the same time it's it, the entire time you're you're constantly asking who's a good guy who's a bad guy a lot right. of the bad guys seem good and a lot of the good guys seem bad and you don't know and you don't know what's like it is just and the only one you know for 100 percent sure is is good and 
we think uh, when you watch the movie, obviously it's a sheriff played by Stallone. And I don't care what anyone says. He he doesn't look like a small town sheriff. He, the guy is like 6'5". Oh, I was going to say the opposite. Solid muscle. He looks in this movie. He looks particularly like like he looks pouchy. He looks like he definitely he, gained a bunch yeah, of weight and they're trying still, to make him look fat. He looks like okay. Like remember when Ben Affleck he got done with filming. Uh, he got done with filming Batman Justice League and stuff like that, and then he went direct. He went essentially direct. Went directly to rehab, and his first film back. Like two and a half, like two months. He ended up filming. Uh, two and a half months later, he ended up filming. Um, what is it called? The Way Back, where he's a basketball coach. Yeah, he's like that old, overweight, yeah. like kind of like washed yeah. up. But thing is, he still looks. Yeah, sure. I guess he does look a little. He does look like he doesn't look as fit comparatively. But the guy still looks fit as fuck. I would. I would call this more like when Leonardo <laughs> so DiCaprio distracted. doesn't have work. Kind of but how like, massive he looked like, his biceps were. He looked like he's like Leo Post between or like between gigs. Leonardo DiCaprio. He is no. Ugly. Uh, and no. if, if it's not, if he's not fat, like I don't. I'm not saying he's fat. I'm saying that the way they make him look is like specifically to him. Like they give him these oversized shirts and these mm -hmm. tight pants, and they're like it's supposed to like enforce this idea of that he has a gut. Mm -hmm. Like he's not supposed to be. Yeah, I, and I shape. totally and I totally get what they were going for. I and I respect that they did. I think he, he Stallone. I think he is really great on a role. It was just very distracting because I'm seeing all these guys that look like 150 pounds that are like a sinewy, smaller, like thin men, and they're like kind of talking down to him as because yeah. he's a lesser than cop. Meanwhile, he's like six five and like solid muscle, and I'm I'm, I'm looking. I'm like. <laughs> I mean, it's true that he's bigger than like almost everybody in this movie. He's, I've always gotten the sense of that a <laughs> lot of actors are like way shorter. Like a lot of actors are very short. Like yeah, like Harvey Cattell, Ray Liotta. Like none of them are like above six five. Like no, sorry, six seven essentially. Six seven is a giant, Alex. Do you know how tall six seven is? I'm. I don't. Sorry, sorry. It's not sorry. Not six seven. Sorry, five seven. <laughs> I oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I don't know like, yeah, how tall anyone is. Yeah, because I'm 5'7". I, I know Harvey Keitel, he's a shorter guy. He's in real life, he's like 5'5 or something. Oh, wow. Hold on one yeah, second. He's like, yeah, he's, he's kind right of similar back. to Tom Cruise that way. Because um, I know in some scenes, apparently, they had to give some of the actors step stools <laughs> when, when standing next to Stallone just because... It's laughable when you compare them in size. Here's the thing about Stallone's performance in this. I didn't. I guess I always thought he talked like this, and he's like Adrian, and like yeah. he was always kind of like, if not mentally like handicapped, like as yeah. an actual thing. I always thought that he talked like he was a boxer, you know, like that kind of thing where it's like, oh, maybe yes. he's had brain injuries in his life. Um, this movie, I was like, oh no, he can talk like a regular person. He's like totally capable of coherent thoughts and 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 he's smart and look great he wrote rocky like he's a he's, he's literally a one like, for rocky he wrote yeah. rocky <laughs> and it's not like he uh is given so many speeches in this but he plays this role with a sort of like resigned intelligence that i think is missing from a lot of stolen mm -hmm. roles that yes. i've seen at least where he's just like an intelligent man like this guy obviously deserved to be a cop this guy obviously mm -hmm. like is the sheriff he's smart enough to like run this town right and he's smart enough to like know which side like his bread is buttered on or whatever like he's mm -hmm. 
playing this character as like an intelligent man, like not like a genius, but not like an action star. Like he's playing it like a, like a middle management. Yeah. And I it, really it, like that performance from him. Absolutely. I do. Like I mentioned, I do think it's, it was actually very much, very much a smart play to catch him. It was to cast him because he is typically a very showy actor. Rambo, uh, the Rocky films, there's like 12 of them now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we really associate him with these big talkative, um, well, not so much talkative, but these big, bold, action focused characters. Yeah, I would say like opposite you know, of like. We, we don't think of him as like resigned or, or someone. I, something in particular I really hold, I really, really appreciate about his character, which I think is incredibly important, especially for, um, for a, for, for him in a situation, is that he knows when to shut the fuck up, and he knows when to listen. Yeah, and, and that's look, that's something I could, like definitely learned lesson of. Yeah. Um, but everyone else is literally the opposite. Everyone right. is talking their ass off. Everyone is threatening everyone else at a, at a moment's notice, and yeah. it's it's a lot of it's a lot of conversation. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of blustering. It's a lot of you know I would call it uh, January Manning, not just because yeah, a lot of maybe we saw the carpet tie telling it, but it's a lot like it's a lot of like where's Danny Aiello in this film? Where's like (laughs) you know like it's a lot of that Um, because every other person that you see is going to be someone you recognize, whether they're from like uh, usually mafia or cop films or Mm -hmm. like like again I said like Peter Berg is in this, like uh, like the uh, Robert Patrick is in this. It's got like a huge freaking cast and uh i'm trying to see who else is it yeah janine garofalo i'm trying to see if there's anyone else who else did i write oh noah noah emmerich from uh mm-hmm. from uh what's it called from beautiful girls but also that tv show the americans you guys know noah emmerich like everyone in this movie Edie falco again like is in a scene method man is actually the guy who throws him off the roof i know I was like, that? <laughs> yeah i remember i watched him i was like hey, hey. Like, I know you're, like, one of the popular rappers, like, from the 90s. I know, but what's your name? Did you know Deborah <laughs> Harry is also in this movie? She almost, yeah, she was, oh, but they edited her character oh, out. Oh, no. I'm just looking at the IMDb. They edited her out? Oh, no. They completely edited out her character. But apparently oh, no. she has some qualms against Mangold. She was like, I got paid. That's what matters. It's funny. It doesn't say, like, I mean, it's just, it's so good because, uh, <laughs> Stallone during this period, I'm just like looking at this real quick. Stallone during this period was doing hugely big, big box office bombs. Mm-hmm. Like he was just flunking this period of time. Like there was Oscar, there was Stop or there, My Mom Will Shoot, which I think was the first Stallone film I've ever saw. Um, no. He was not doing that well at all. And then this movie where he gained like 40 pounds to play this role. So Alex, like it was intentional. Like he gained a lot of weight. Yes, he was first. still muscular. Like, I'm sure that he was so muscular, but he was supposed to look pouchy. I mean, that was the intention behind it. The- oh, okay. Well, apparently, okay. So there was quite a bit of reshoots done mm-hmm. that changed the release date and everything as it happens. But okay. So when they initially filmed it, you'll, so you'll actually notice a change in his weight pretty drastically um, throughout the entire movie though. Um, at, at some scenes, he is he is larger, but with all the scenes that were reshot at that point when they were reshooting, he dropped all the weight. Yeah, I mean, like a critic. And, even so, said, and like, that was like, and that was like five six months later. And I so, think I think most of the reviews at the time were saying that this was like raging bull level of like weight change. 
because it was it was like a raging bull like it was like De Niro gaining that much weight for raging bull like it was a huge deal I, I'm glad to know that I wasn't crazy when well, I was looking De Niro's at De Niro's also like, like a smaller body. guy so 40 pounds is regardless, regardless it was like a big part of this thing of this movie was that he made this huge transformation and mm -hmm. part of that transformation was a physical like method acting style weight yeah. change um yeah and it's it's like yeah, I guess like I guess the movie didn't do that well box office wise. But oh yeah, it was a bomb. It, it was that's a bomb. crazy. It, it didn't even crack fifteen million. Well, I guess because James Mangle just wasn't that famous, but like critics loved it, so it's it's strange. It, it was they didn't love it, but they it definitely had really decent reviews. I which is also it's really surprising to me because it, wait, it didn't bomb box office. It, it didn't mediocre. Wasn't terrible. It didn't make fifteen million though. It made like no. It, it, made, it made it made forty five million. Oh, like internationally, domestically. What? Yeah, it was a big. It was a big film. It was not a flunk. That's what I'm saying. It was different from like Stop and My Oh, I misread it. My bad. I was looking at like the budget, probably. No, my bad. No, yeah, probably. Oh yeah, I was. No, scratch that. I was looking at the opening weekend. Oh, that's not actually a really good I opening weekend. The yeah, opening was weekend was like about 13 and a half million. Budget was 15 million. Mm -hmm. But gross was like, it didn't, yeah, but it was like gross. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, it's, I it's pretty appropriate it's just, for the 90s. It's a good um, gross. It's just not like Rocky style or like Rambo yeah, style, but it is way better than the things he also shot. Now, Stallone didn't like being in this movie. I mean, he loved working with James Mangle, but he thinks the movie like hurt his career somehow. Saying that he, like, because it wasn't a huge hit, it like hurt his career. He, yeah, he definitely is. He was regretful. He says he loved working with the director and he loved being involved with the movie. He has no qualms or regrets participating in it. But oh, at that point, he was he was trying to make a comeback, and he just right. if anything, it actually made it made it made it worse for him as an actor because he wasn't looked at as a, as a as a huge. Uh, as a huge as a huge draw box office draw comparatively to Arnold Schwarzenegger that was definitely rising at the time and they were going for a lot of the same roles I don't know yeah, so much so that it's a joke in Last Action Hero it's a whole joke in Last Action Hero that if yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't exist in that world they like Rocky I mean that's some Sloan would have been the Terminator um and yeah they're going for the same roles and I think the the difference is Schwarzenegger could have never done this role like this never. I mean, yeah. it would he could have done it, but it would have been like a awkward bad performance. It would have broke the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would have like tanked the movie. You would have been like, why is this cop talking like that? Like his range isn't quite like his nuance. Like I'm really I gained a lot of respect for Stallone just watching this film, being like, oh, he's like a. I'm not saying he's like the best actor in the world, but I'm saying like mm -hmm. he's a passable actor as like a smart but over the like sort of washed up over the hill sheriff who really wanted to get this other thing in life and is now caught between like this moral obligation slash duty slash like his his belief in his fellow cops and like wanting to like be one of the boys and like the Ray Liotta stuff was so heartbreaking because like <laughs> fucking Ray Liotta you just know if Ray Liotta is in a movie he's not the good guy like I, I don't know how many movies I've seen where he's the good guy what well, this movie I think is as re it really uses a it really creates an excellent casting choices so and good. obviously not only and not only including so many people so many character actors that are known How for get them all? Films, 
I know that we know that his dad was and parents were artists, but how did he get all those people to be in this film? I don't know, man. Apparently, like even Janine Garofalo, she didn't want to be in the movie initially until she heard oh. James Mangold was directed, and she's like, "Fine, I'll do it." Oh, you know what? I figured <laughs> it out. She didn't want to do it. It's just like it was last time. These are all New York actors, like actors who do theater in New York. These are all guys who are ju- like just like heavy. Mm-hmm. Like these were all people who were just hanging around New York, hanging out with Scorsese anyway. It's Keitel, yeah. it's De Niro. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what John Patrick was doing there, but Rappaport, New York mm-hmm. dude through and through. He, that's why he's in all the Spike Lee stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these are just people that were hanging out in New York and probably knew Mangle mm-hmm. through that sort of I was, scene as we figured out last week. Well, the good I think a lot of the good casting not only comes from having a lot of really, really like solid actors and career crime actors, I guess. Yeah essentially but also a lot of these actors similar to Ray Liotta you they're like you said earlier you associate them with being criminals all, almost uh, all of them Harvey Keitel um even though he's a cop he usually plays a corrupt cop I mean it's it's a lot of them it's their history um and yeah, you're, you're watching stuff. the movie and you're like, oh, I'm used to seeing this person as a good guy. I mean, or I'm used to seeing that guy as a bad guy. And so it really kind of plays against your your judgment going into the movie, essentially. I mean, yeah, really I, Robert De Niro, I guess, can go either way. But yeah, I definitely, I would say it this way. I don't ever think of them like which one's going to be the cop. Like, I, I think of Pytel as always being like a bad guy and Ray Liotta always, or being always a cop and Ray Liotta always being a criminal. It's more like I always think of them as they're all bad guys. Like they're none of them play good guys that often. Like Kaitel, I guess sometimes, but like Kaitel, even Kaitel, like not really. Like I think of him as somebody who yes. plays a lot of like bad dudes, whether they be cops or robbers or what have you. He's generally mm-hmm. not the here, except for the piano. I don't generally think he plays like the good dude that much. And same with yeah. uh, Rappaport, who I guess is more on the fence for this one, but I always think of Rappaport as being sort of like a bad guy in movies. Uh, John Patrick had, I don't think the Terminator had come out yet or had it. It's just Terminator 2, sorry. T2. Cool. So I think like, I don't know. If, I don't know if he was like a big deal yet. Uh, Noah Emmerich was character actor, but I associate him as like a bad dude from uh from the Americans. Yeah, these are all kind of villain archetypes. He's not uh, a bad dude in the Americans? Noah Emmerich? His character in the Americans? Yeah, the guy who's like trying to get them? Yeah, because they're Russian spies. Yeah, but he's awful and like he definitely like has this sexual horrible thing with that one lady that he's like uh like holding like what he's holding not holding hostage but he's like blackmailing her i mean i never really got into the show but like they have a sexual relationship but it's completely it is it, it is their relationship in that mo- in that show is that it's definitely a power play for sure but it's very consensual was it was it was he not a Bad guy? I thought he was the villain. No, he plays. No, he's a place. He's a place a cop, and he feels guilty about everything. He's like completely conflicted, and he's like, "I'm trying to be a good cop, and like I'm surrounded by bad people, and I need a, I need a." Was he, was he even a cop? I thought he was FBI. Again, I'm. No, I'm he, no, yeah, you're right. He is. Yeah, he's an FBI agent. He's an undercover FBI agent. Yeah, I've, I've never. I could. I watched one episode of that show, and I like was like, "Who are all these different characters?" And someone was like, "It's just two people in different wigs." And I was like, "Oh, this show isn't going to be very good for me." Uh, I can, I, when people put yeah. on wigs, I immediately cannot recognize them as being the same person. So right. I was like, me and Vinny were watching the show together, like in the Observer office in like 2015. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, halfway through, I was like, can we just like stop watching this? Because I'm really confused and I don't like this feeling. And he was like, 
same dude. He's like, I don't, I also cannot tell the difference between people when they put on wigs. I, 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 I really uh, the Americans personally, but bringing it back though to this movie with Copland, I, I just, again, just bringing attention to uh, the, just like the really great cast. I think I'm really curious to find if this movie was ever remade, could it be? I'm sure it can be remade, but I don't know if it would be made as well Remain. because the, the great cast makes it. This is a movie that requires a lot of chemistry. This is a movie that requires a ton of rehearsal because of how fast it is. And oh I my mean, gosh. Could this movie be remade today? Yes. I mean, this yeah. movie has things that are big deals, which is like they're killing of unarmed black like teenagers and how that's going to look. And like maybe it, cops shouldn't be covering that shit up, but like how like every day it is that they would like that they would just like cover it up and get away with it. And like, no one would ever be called to like justice for it. I mean, that is incredibly socially relevant commentary today. Uh, that would play pretty well, I think, or like, be, not play something well, but, like that would seem relevant. Uh, I think the issue is like, I, I don't think the issue would be like finding ensemble people. I think like the issue would be like, yeah, how would you cast this? So it's not just an all white cast, uh, but still yeah. imply, like, or would it be an all-white cast to imply like the like boys-only club of these? Well, cops? that's something I think it's kind of important, uh, important aspect of the movie because it's well, it's it's it's, pr it's pr using the stereotypes of Italians and it was like, like an Italian mafia and Italian like Italian cops and everything. Also, I mean, like it's like a whole thing like it, that and Irish as well. Uh, the the idea of like Irish mob uh, mafia as well as the being in New York having the huge identity there as well. Yeah, but like so really there are people story. that work that are like uh like like uh Met Methan Man or Com was it Common or Methan? It was Methan Man, right? Like who's in this movie? Yes. Like there are definitely people of color in the film who work There's with like in the bad guys. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking like one thing that makes Stallone's character like set him apart. You could make him a character that's like anything like he can be anything because he's not actually part of the club he's not been invited into like their club he's like grew up with them but he's not part of them and that's kind of what like allows him to be a better person than them ultimately. if anything it's actually it would probably be better if he you can argue it would be better if it wasn't um a white dude a white dude it's similar to how like midnight uh, midnight mass recently Oh, you saw that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, I love Midnight Mass. I feel like well, that's I was going to say that was that was but, really about to say. Yeah, I was like, they, why can't we get Ralph Coley just back to play they, another cop? Yeah, they they in the as far as I've been told that in the books they don't really mention race all that much. They just say it's Midnight Mass book. I didn't know it was a book. Really? Oh, I I was told it was a book. Um, but yeah, yeah I was told it was. specifically, or or if it was like written, no, no, scratch that. Forget me. What am I thinking? I don't know. But um, it was written as a maybe it's not a book. Maybe I'm just completely making that aspect up. But um, but it was his character in particular wasn't written as uh, particularly as a man of color, let alone a Arab or Muslim man. It was just a man with a scar on his eyebrow with dark hair. <laughs> This is looks that like Midnight Mass was a book with a very different plot, which is a disgraced team priest teams up with a rabbi to defeat the blood sucking horde led by a renegade priest. Yeah, that doesn't that seems like maybe that was the source material, but much like Haunting of Blind Manor or something, they just or mm -hmm. Haunting of Hill House, he just like looked at the source material and went, "Okay, I guess I can get, take some character names from this and just like transplant it over." But the rest just kind of 
sat by the wayside because Midnight Mass is an action novel. Looks like. That's crazy. That's about a priest and a rabbi ganging up to defeat vampires led by another renegade priest. Oh, that's silly. That's, mm -hmm. That sounds very or silly to me. Vampire slash angel things. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and obviously the casting, the decision, the casting decision to make him uh, an Arab man and Muslim man and really have have that monologue, that great monologue he has regarding his reaction to 9-11. And that's why he joined the force and everything. And the FBI at the time in the 2000s really was a really great moment and adds so much more depth to everything going on, on the island. I think that could also add a lot to if it was recast for Copland mm -hmm. as well, because it's like not only like a boys club, but also they're incredibly aggressively white. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really kind of plays into those stereotypes quite intensely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a girl, have a woman. Yeah, why the fuck not? I mean, I think the Janine Garofalo character could be built up a lot more. Like, her character was sort of, like, she's shown early on to be the person who's, like, from a different district. She's been transplanted in, and, like, she doesn't know that Harvey Keitel's, like, supposed to be this big shot, like, in the town, and, like, he kind of talks down to her, and, like, Jay, uh, Robert Patrick, I can never remember his name, Robert Patrick, like, kind of calls her, like, sweet cheeks or something, the equivalent of, and, like, kind of, like, they kind of, like, catcall her a bit. And she's just, like, not having it. But since... Her boss doesn't seem to give a shit one way or another until very late in the film. She also just kind of disappears from the narrative until she shows up and he asks for her help. He's like, uh, no, I'm out. I'm actually leaving. This is fucking nuts. And you weren't you here for us. Yeah, you guys are all awful. Let's not forget that this movie doesn't start with Stallone necessarily looking like the hero. It starts with him getting so drunk at a bar and then getting in his car and driving and hitting, thankfully, just a deer breaking his nose and then like showing up to work the next day and everyone's like what happened he's like oh i was uh chasing after yeah. a club like just fucking lying because it's just so easy to when you're in a position of authority to just like lie and be like yeah i was uh i was saving the world and not so drunk that i should not have been behind the wheel of the car and should have like been arrested but can't you send people lie to make themselves look better drew how dare you it's more just about how people in the position of authority abuse that authority to do the exact same yes. thing that like other people would get arrested for, and not only arrested for, but like laws were created to prevent happening because they can cause people to die. Like they keep mentioning that Michael Rappaport, if he had really been like a real transit cop, and this is like just so hilarious, if he had been a real New York transit cop, he would have known not to make a right turn like that fast, and he would have known not to blow out his tire. And like if you're a real cop, you know not to make a right on a on a red light. You know not to make a right on a red light or something like that. And it's like, yikes! Like. Yikes, they, they think that's the problem and not him shooting two unarmed black children, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah. wild. Um, but this movie feels kind of like, you know, I keep comparing it in my head to January Man in like a very favorable way, in the sense that like, oh. you know, we, well, because they're both like these stories about like Harvey Keitel as a corrupt New York cop, I guess, but also because they're both stories in which it's like, uh, yeah, people having to work with Keitel and he's doing his big Keitel bluster, but also stories about like, just like the New Yorkiness of it all and like how like the, those institutional systems are totally corrupt and they need sort of like an outside force to come in and like be like exposing the badness. Now in January Man, does it necessarily go that way? Not really. It's kind of like the backdrop. But I think those Danny Ayo, Harvey Keitel scenes, uh, along with that, what, Rod Sturger, was he the third guy? That was like the mayor or whatever um, in, in January Man. Anyway, the, the whole scenes like seemed like, yeah, 
Robert De Niro being with Harvey Keitel in any scene, I was like, did they share the scene before? Like, have they shared the screen before? I couldn't remember if Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel, I feel like I'm missing an obvious thing. Oh, right. Taxi they've, they've been in a bunch of stuff together. Oh, uh, like, like, yeah, Taxi Driver, yeah. But like, I don't know if they've ever played, like, a, they probably have, and I'm just being stupid right now, but like, how many times have they played against each other, like in scenes? Because basically, anytime Robert De Niro's in a scene, he's in a totally different location than the rest of them, because he's in the city. He's yeah. yelling at his own crew. And when he and Curry tell share this scene uh, together, it's like very almost like, it's weird. You would think it's like a lot of bombastic yelling, but it's not. It's a lot of like false friendship. Like it's a lot of them being like pretending to be chill around each other. And I thought that was like probably the best acting I'd seen of Kaitel in a while. Cause he was like pretending to be like all brotherhood fraternity with this guy. And then as soon as he leaves, he's like, fuck internal affairs. Fuck this dude. He's been after me since day one. Mean street. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. They Right. Duh. They were best friends in mean street. The first one, right? I mean, the first his first. That was their first, technically their first collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, Mean Streets. The I knew I was forgetting a huge one. Um, yeah, they're best friends in Mean Street. I guess maybe that's what this is reminiscent of. It's got a Mean Street vibe to it, and like everyone, it feels like this could almost be like the growing up, the grown up version of the characters from Mean Streets if they were also Mean Streets meets a uh, Bad Lieutenant or something. So this this feels very much like a Scorsese film. I will say that. It definitely does. And I feel like it honestly, Scorsese films don't really have all that much appeal to me personally, just because not only there is a, I think, in my opinion, a severe lack of female characters, but almost so many female characters in his movies are tortured or killed. <laughs> and it's like in every, in every movie there, it's one or the other. Raging Bull. Sometimes they don't even exist, like Silence. I don't uh, know if a female character it's, in that movie. It's, it's so consistent. They're like, there's, there's like, maybe three female characters in his entire filmography that like live without either one of those, and one of them was in, what should I call it? Taxi driver. She lives. No, she's no. You can. She's. You she can lives. argue. She, yeah, but you can argue she's being tortured. I mean, because she has a child oh, prostitute okay. in prostitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, and, and her, she's manipulated into that whole story. Nobody, nobody's padded like, from Maker's character. From what I remember, she's not killed or anything. No, the Wall Street pick. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, you're right. That's one of them. There, she definitely has like a lot of marriage. Yeah, that's, that's another one. But yeah, Hugo. but they're overall Hugo. I have not seen Hugo. So nobody was tortured in the making of Hugo. Good. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Uh, he... I don't think I haven't seen it either. <laughs> well, I'm assuming no one tortures Chloe Grace Moretz in the making of Hugo. Overall, it's it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming the amount of women that have been tortured or killed in this movie. Or Similar just to, like assholes, like Casino. Like she's yeah, just an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and given they are very complex characters and everything, and I respect that. But does every female need to get killed or hurt? I don't feel like they're killed that often. I feel like they're they're like put in danger, like the departed, like she lives. Like I don't feel like they die that often. It's often that they like um casino, uh casino, goodfellas. Wait, 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 sorry. Who um, who goodfellas who gets murdered. Wait, sorry, which one? Wait, are you saying the the, the Sharon Stone in Casino? Does she get murdered? Yep. She gets yeah, she gets she overdoses, she dies. That's not getting murdered. That's just dying. But she gets tortured. She gets tortured. Yeah. Right, but we're we're we I think we're conflating two different things here. Uh, I, I said I, either the women are tortured or they're killed. 
she's, or, she's, the, or just the dice that come out. Like, I mean, rape, but rape. I don't, we don't need to get into it, but I'm saying like the, the women in this were also not given a lot to do. And there was yeah. a woman who was murdered in this as well. Like the, the, the uh, girlfriend of Ray Liotta accidentally murdered, but straight up murdered, like straight up goes into a house that has been intentionally set with a bomb inside of it. Cause the guy won the insurance policy. The, mm-hmm. The woman who is beat up by her husband is like our lead female. Jean Garofalo is sort of like there and then like dips. I mean, there is not one, maybe the one who pours trash, like the, uh, the what's her name? The Kathleen Turner looking woman. She's not. Kathleen Moriarty. <laughs> Kathleen Moriarty. She's not tortured uh, or killed, but like everyone in her family is basically. Um, she is. And Raging Bull, she is absolutely tortured. Right. But I'm but, saying in this movie. Yeah. And, yeah and in this movie, movie, absolutely. She. She doesn't really have much to do in this movie. No, that's the thing. They didn't really just have much to do in general. Like, it it just felt very Scorsese and that, like, the women didn't have very much to do. They tried to, like, Um, it's almost like he he tried to give Janine Garofalo a thing to do and then, like, gave up because he found the issues of, like, the main characters so much more compelling. And honestly, they were. There was, like, enough plot in this to feel like, like, it took me 20 minutes to describe the plot of this movie. And that's because there's a lot going on. I could easily picture this as, like, a three-hour miniseries or epic kind of thing personally oh, this is going to be a good min- like limited miniseries i think like a really good one um right i think there's like yeah this this is sort of becoming the problem i'm realizing about james mangold it's a problem with a lot of directors which is like i don't think so far we've had like a really good compelling female character yet like not yeah yet. so far they've all been like but, generic and, yeah i mean that's like definitely one of the aspects about um um that's definitely one of the aspects i think that really is very Scorsese of him, but I actually really prefer this as a crime film over a heavy majority of Scorsese Scorsese well, crime films because I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Because it because I actually I, I like the language of the characters yeah. more. If it's it's not just grittier, <laughs> but it feels like actual people versus. Like Goodfellas, it, yeah, I understand it's gritty and everything, but it, everything is like a little too well done. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Scorsese's very um stylized. He's very affected. Yes. his movies are very <laughs> affected. Whether it's The Aviator, mm-hmm. or or um, excuse me, uh, The Departed, or Wolf of Wall Street, or or Taxi Driver, or any of them, there it's all very stylized mm-hmm. in the way that people talk and the voiceovers and all the things. This felt very grounded in a different way, where I was just like, oh, I mean, like these are yeah, it feels very lived in, and it's also not an action movie let's be clear there's a big shootout at the end but for the most part this is not a movie about action it's about the consequences of action like mm-hmm. and i think that is like a really interesting way to place the thing like we see this big like this big street you know race in the beginning where he's growing up to guys but so much more attention is paid to the cover-up of that and like the aftermath mm-hmm. of that accident uh where he's like shot the guys and he's freaking out and they're on the bridge and the cops have roped off all the areas it's about like the moments that we usually don't see in the films which is the cops cleaning up the mess and doing the dirty work and then going back home to their like own lives. And, and that's why I think like the mafia part was almost like a little bit too much hat on hat because we were already getting this vast conspiracy about these transit cops who again are not like the New York's, I mean, they're like part of New York's finest, but they're not like what you think of as New York cops. They're the transit cops. They're different. Like they're, it's almost like a little silly. Well, I actually, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It, well, something I'm kind of curious about for you watching this movie, loving it as much as you were being very surprised about it. Did you find out, did you, while watching the movie, did you really gravitate towards any particular character? 
Yeah, I really like Stallone. I was surprised. I loved Stallone's character. My God, he was so good in this. I was just like, I was like, I wanted him to like succeed. I was like actively when he started blowing up everybody on the street, just like. I was like, and like when they shot his other good ear out, and like I hadn't paid that much attention. I thought they had stolen his hearing aid and like blown it up or something because he's just screaming in pain on the I street. They, yeah, I, I legit thought they they, they might have like shot him in the neck or something. I think because he's, he's like he's doing this, I thought he might have been hitting his neck. Initially. Well, it's because he's screaming like a wild animal, but I think it's because they shot. You, you always hear about this. If if you get a gunshot right next to your head, like you yeah, can't hear, like you bust oh, out your God, hearing. You can't for like days. However, as a way to debilitate somebody who's already gotten like one ear that he's already deaf in, it's, I don't know how effective they thought that was going to be like in slowing him down. Like he can operate without hearing. He still has his eyeballs and he's still going to come hunt you down like a motherfucker. Like, you were a bit better to blind him and let him walk around with like only one good ear. Like, well, do you remember the fighter? Something like that. Do you remember the fighter? Um, yeah, the Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Christian Bale, and everything. So yeah. Mark yeah. Wahlberg's yeah. character is trying to defend his brother while he's his brother, played by Christian Bale, is being uh, is being arrested for something that Drugged. wasn't his fault in theory. It wasn't his fault though, and. So as a result, the cops, like knowing who Mark Wahlberg's Mark was, he was like an up and comer, coming boxer kind of thing. They're like, no, you don't, don't try to, don't try to hit him. They grab their batons and like, no, don't hit him in the stomach or the back or anything like we typically do. He's a boxer. You hit the hands. And, <laughs> it's, and it's, so, it's so funny you say that though, because Mark Wahlberg famously or infamously took out a guy's eye once, had to spend some time in jail because he uh, he, he literally took out uh, in a street fight, uh, like an older Asian man's eye. Just Wait, took what? It out. Yeah, took it out, just straight up. Gouged no. it out. What? Yeah. And we let Mark Wahlberg be famous I, in his really real name because he straight up blinded uh, an old Asian I, man in a, in no. a street fight when he was younger. Yep. Someone in the chat, find me that article or something like that. Because I, I didn't. I swear to God, I swear to God, and I let him fucking make some bad shit when he was a kid. But yeah, I know. He, oh yeah, he was not a great. He wasn't yeah, a great guy. Yeah, I know he did a lot of shit when he was a kid, and he's. I know he's been very. Google Marky Mark blinded someone. Yeah, yeah, I know he's been like very vocal about like. I, I need to atone for my past and everything, but I thought it was just him. Being oh wait, wait. so somebody's saying that like uh, Malberg believed he had left the second victim permanently blind in one eye, though the guy has come out later and said he lost his eye in the Vietnam War. Although that's also never been like necessarily proven or unproven, he could have paid him off. Uh, but yeah, he made a bunch of unsolicited racial statements about I won't even say about what, but uh, slanty-eyed, and then a word I yeah. won't say. That and yeah, he was charged with attempted murder. And pled guilty to uh, felony assault and spent two years in prison, uh, but only served 45, uh, 45 days of his sentence. Oh, he was sentenced to two years in jail, but only served 45 days. Hot Eight. damn. And then he fractured the jaw of a neighbor once and uh, viciously attacked him on the ground and uh, just a bunch of shit. He also has said, screamed the N-word at people and at children and just a bunch of things. He's not a great guy. But regardless, uh, regardless, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It's, it's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, but this movie feels very much like a, feels like a Mark Wahlberg type of movie. If they'd been a different type of cop, like if they'd been Boston instead of New York or Jersey, I could totally see this being like transplanted to Boston super easily. 
because it does mm-hmm. have that kind of departed vibe where yeah. you're like the good cop who like didn't do very well in life because he did all the right things instead of the wrong things and therefore didn't like get ahead um it's just it's it's a super good film and i think yeah what i said like this movie isn't as concerned with the action as it is concerned with like the consequences of the action which makes it a lot more of a talky film than like a, a shoot 'em up well it's because of how talky talky it is and this movie like i mentioned earlier how i feel like the chemistry between the cast is so necessary like yeah, you, movie, you buy Le- Ray Liotta and Sylvester Stallone are best friends. Like, I bought that. I was like, they hang out every yeah. day and drink beer. It's still real. That and, like, Harvey Keitel and his, like, weird dynamic with Sylvester Stallone. I was like, yeah, I completely buy this. Oh, and John. <laughs> like, the way you talked down to him, how casually he was about it and everything oh. else. Like, yeah. And John sure. Patrick. I mean, again, like, John Patrick. I don't know. Yeah, we should get pizza. Nerd. Let's uh, find a place with gluten free pizza. Um, <laughs> I like the gluten free pizza. But um, I think that, like, John. Uh, Robert Patrick does such a good job in this movie. I can't overstate it because we're so used to him being the Terminator 2 guy. Like he's he's just all blank faced and like scary and just walking forward in a straight line. And this character is so subtly evil, like in a different way, where he's just like the guy who is just the enforcer. Like he at one point, Sylvester Stallone gets back into his car after like trying to confront the grieving widow about her husband who was murdered. Uh, and it's like his, you know, the girl that he likes, and he gets in the car and like <laughs> Robert Patrick's just sitting in the back with the lights off being like, you sure you want to do this, buddy? And he's like, Jesus. Like, what, Jesus. Like, he's just so creepy. He comes to him in a shooting gallery during a fair and just uh, watches as, like, Sylvester Stallone just, just like, <laughs> he shouldn't have known better. But he watches him just shoot straight bullet eyes or bullet holes. I, I think know. that was kind of a, fun, a funny little moment just because... He says, like, he Jesus was, or something, and it's really he funny. Was trying, yeah, he was trying to be intimidating, and he's right. like, Play all your next five gotta be perfect. Yeah, so it's the best one to get like a bullseye, and then like uh, Robert Patrick's like trying to menace and bully him, and he's like, "Well, your next nine have to be perfect." And then like he's like, "You just mm-hmm. hear Trump, you hear Sir Robert Patrick just go, Jesus, because <laughs> he's like got them all dead center. Mm-hmm. Should have known better. You didn't take out his eyes; you just took out his other ear, and that's just gonna piss him off. It's not gonna affect his aim, and, and it's gonna, his hearing's gonna come back that we find out at the end of the movie. Yeah, tinnitus, I don't think lasts, but uh, I don't know how de- how deep that woman must have been drowning. She must have been buried with rocks on her to have drowned so deep that you would get, like, a total loss of hearing in one ear from, like, trying to save her. And like, I'm not exactly sure how, like, ear injuries work, but, like, that seems like he had the bends when he came back up or something. Like, don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of themes I'm realizing in this about, like, like diving over the river being thrown into the river like the whole thing they want to they try to drown michael rapaport because they i still don't understand exactly what their plan was because they saved him from like did he did he know ahead of time did he plan out that he was going to fake his suicide like how did they find him how did they reconnect harvey Keitel? because harvey Keitel mm-hmm. just goes oh he jumped and we see that he's not there anymore we would seen him walk way towards the the um edge of the bridge so i guess maybe he just didn't jump and hung off the ledge and was like like, and Harvey Keitel went back and got him. But there was, like, no plan in place for what he's going to do with him. He just kind of brought him to his mother's, which was in town. Let him get buried with just the, the suit on. And then they threw a party for him with everyone in town knowing he was there. And then they try to kill him. Like, it's the craziest, stupidest plan I've ever heard in my fucking life. Uh, and well, then the fact that they didn't take away his gun before they tried to kill him and drown him in, like, a pool. Well, something I'm actually very grateful for watching this movie is that usually I'm not a huge fan of exposition. 
like it, I am to a certain extent, then I'm like, okay, just let the action speak for itself. In this movie, I wanted so much exposition because I kept getting confused. I was like, who's who? I was like mixing up character names and they were like, they had nicknames for people. I was like, wait, who's Loverboy? Okay, I with the face, but they're like, wait, well, who's this guy? Oh, I thought, yeah, that Loverboy, they call him like Hero Boy or something. Hero like Boy, something. and then there's, there was like Superboy. And then Super I was like, Boy, I, don't yeah. know, I don't know who's who. I'm, I'm lost. And everyone, everyone's just like, everyone's just like uh, a white guy with brown hair or red hair. I was just so lost. <laughs> like, I mean, there was when somebody's screaming. I'm not even sure who it was. Somebody was screaming during that end that end scene, or not sorry, the, the party scene where like uh, Michael Rappaport discovers in his drink a note I think his mom left him. Like, because uh, that's his mom, right? They, Man, uh, I don't remember. I don't, I don't the, care. The blonde, the blonde lady who looks like Kathleen Turner is his mom, I believe. It's Kathleen um, and she leaves a note in his, yeah, Kathleen Moriarty leaves a note in his drink that's like, they're going to fucking kill you. So I guess that's how I, he like goes with a gun on him. But like he still shows up and is super wasted and is like, hey guys, thanks for helping me out. Thanks for throwing me this party. Again, why throw a fucking party? And then when the sheriff comes, they're like, no, we didn't have a party here. Like, you can't come in. We're hiding a dude. But like, why do that only to just though kill him? Like everyone in town's seen him now. You're never going to get away with it, even if he hadn't dispatched his gun into someone's face and just ran away. Yeah. Like they don't even bother telling the other cops in town that that's what they're planning to do because that's how that woman's husband bites it is because he sees them trying to kill uh, Michael Rappaport. And he's like, what the fuck guys? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I thought we were just going to help him get out of town. And they're like, Oh, I guess he's not like on the make like we are. And so the next scene, when he gets thrown off a building by method man, they're like, what are you going to do? He knew that this guy was about to get murdered, uh, but didn't. So no crime was actually committed in that one instance. It was just attempted murder of a guy who's supposed to be dead. I'm not even sure if that's a crime. If you can kill, if you can be charged for killing somebody who is supposed to be dead, who knows? Probably it is a crime, but it just seems like a, a weird crime. It's, yeah, it's really weird. It's, it's, it's a weird movie. It is a weird crime movie. I like it more than it's anything. It's such an interesting character-driven film. There's some movies that are like very plot-driven. This movie is 100% character-driven. Do you think that there's a? What do you think makes this better to you than like a Scorsese movie? Like in your opinion? It's, I well, I, I think it just comes down to. I think it, it being. I think the characters being less stylized they feel it feels almost improvised because it's so, it feels so well rehearsed everyone the chemistry is so electric it feels so much more real versus versus like a goodfellas where i'm like this feels or everything it, it feels like the first time they do it honestly and it feels very predictable and boring by comparison. But I think that just also it comes down to a personal preference. It Copland feels real. It feels like characters that I that I recognize today. This is a very much a plot that I feel like would be incredibly relevant today. And you wouldn't really have to change that much, which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> and versus like Goodfellas, you would have to change a ton, honestly, in order to make it. Relevant. adaptable for today's audiences i a hundred percent agree i think that it's it's 
it feels so lived in and it feels so un I guess unpretentious in a way. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like I'll even say this, like it's not like a Pacino movie. It's not like a it's not like a Schwarzenegger movie. It's not like a it's not even like a De Niro movie, honestly. Although De Niro plays like a great ensemble back yeah, characters, but yeah. you kind of forget that De Niro's there. He has the opening monologue, and that's like the only time I was like, Oh, De Niro's that's like right. De Niro's. totally forgot about that. He yeah, he's a definitely he's a cool like, character. He's a cool character, but I would, I wouldn't really call him a main character or, he, or even a star of the movie. He's barely in it, and I'm like, you're an important character to the movie, absolutely. But he's more like a symbolic character, if anything. Yeah, I think it's more like, again, like I don't, I don't know exactly the the the, the levers like James Mingold was able to pull. Because yeah. again, this is like what what year was this? Was like his third movie or something, or second movie? I think it was like '97. I could be wrong. Let's see. And Kate Leapel was in the early aughts. So this was his second movie. It was before Girl Interrupted. Uh, so this, who the fuck knows how he got this. Um, and I cannot wait for like, I can't wait to see his next movies. I can't wait to now for Indiana Jones and like the rest of them because it looks, he's doing, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed by like his work so far. Um, I'm really excited. Well, knowing this, well, knowing this, I'm really excited to see to watch some of his later films that do have a heavier focus in crime as well. Mm -hmm. Or just, yeah. or- His Tender Yuma remake is fucking phenomenal. It's like Which my one? favorite Western of all time. Which one? 310 to Yuma. I haven't seen it. It's been on my watch list forever. It is, I definitely went into it being like, I don't want to watch Western. And I left it being like, oh my God, this fucking Western is the tits. It is I know a lot of people so that say good. it's one of their top 10 Westerns. They can't wait. It is definitely one of my, I would say, top three Westerns of all time. Hot damn. Yeah, You're so fuck out of that. Good. It is so fucking good. Like, And mm -hmm. it's a remake, so like, good on him. Um, but uh, Alex, we, we want to talk about next week, uh, what we're doing for next week. This is going to be a movie. He again, so he's written and directed all the movies we've done so far. <laughs> Heavy, he wrote and directed this, he wrote and directed <laughs> Kane Lee pulled, he wrote and directed. <laughs> His next one also is a written and directed film. Um, Guys, it can is you, uh, one of your favorites. You it will be girl, it will be girl female based. It is girl interrupted. It is an yes. Oscar winning film. It is another ensemble uh, character driven film, uh, specifically with, as far as I remember, almost exclusively female characters, but it's also based yeah. off of a uh, a very famous coming of age, uh, coming of age book set, I believe, in the sixties. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Yeah, it's set in the sixties, with yeah, a lot of the draft, really, So of course, it's set in the sixties or like early seventies, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, with a lot of themes that are, I feel like, still relevant today. But also, obviously, it talks about mental illness. It talks about sexism our relationship, women's relationship with each other, friendships, with our families. So there's going to be a lot to dive into. Toxic and, uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's one, I think, it's just one very female-centric film uh, that is just like, it's just, you're like, you're right, it's just focused uh, solely on the women in it. I know Red Foreman, Red Foreman is in it. Um, mm -hmm. so that's As uh, Wino Ryder's dad, I think. Yeah. Uh, and like her doctor's a dude, but you're right. For the rest of it is mostly like, it's mostly dudes. I mean, mostly chicks, and I'm very interested to revisit it. I don't think I've seen it since, like, I saw it, like, since it's come out, but, like, I remember seeing this in theaters. I love the book. 
Uh, it's mm -hmm. going to be interesting to tackle it with new eyes. Um, so Alex, where can people find you if they are interested? Guys, hey, I'm up here on Twitter. You can find me at real underscore Alex Mack. You can also find me being part of the Call to Action podcast over there. I'm assisting with um, I'm assisting with the Schmobe tournament that's going on yes. right now. There's a bunch of stuff. I'm so proud of Jake and him really leading it and really taking hold and making it his own for this tournament. So I'm excited to help assist in any way. But yeah, I'm on for my personal Twitter challenge of trying to reach 300 movies by the end of the year. Well, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm staggering so much. I, I'm on crap. I'm like on uh, almost like at 190 first watch films. Jesus Christ. And, what, do you want um, next? what do you want to next? Well, I'm trying to watch a lot of, I'm trying to watch horror sequels franchise films last year i watched a lot of standalone horror films and so this year i was like i need to watch more halloween films i need to watch i need to finally watch uh, <laughs> i know what you did last summer i still haven't seen a single final destination film but i've been avoiding those like the plague um i want to watch scream 4 mm -hmm. so it's been a work in progress i watched uh but most recently i watched a handful of the exorcist films and i watched the raping oh my gosh that was not great oh opera by dario argento that I'm was great i like that one a lot. I was, yeah i was surprised how much i thoroughly enjoyed that one i was like what um so as for me i'm gonna be on Base next thursday by the way guys uh that's gonna be fun i think i'm playing mark riley I'm debating Mark Riley, so that's going to be fun. Um, mm -hmm. I have Content Candy, which is the name of our podcast network that me and Nerd Chronic have. Uh, a new episode of Garmin Shosia with me and Lon Harris is up. We talk about the new Korean uh, Netflix series that is taking the world by storm. Uh, Squid Game is so good. It is so good. Uh, crazy show. Um, it's like Hunger Games meets Parasite meets something else it's nuts uh check that out on apple stitcher wherever you find podcasts anchor um and then we have yeah I, that's what i'm really promoting right now that in the patreon check me out at patreon.com backslash video drew um because yeah i've been doing a lot of stuff over there been doing a lot of shows on youtube and uploading a lot of the content to this new uh podcast model i don't love this sound of my own voice but i have a lot of good co-hosts so you can enjoy it including every episode of cinema bias which is now also up on content candy so please like listen rate give a review and if you do i have a limited time offer where i will endorse you for anything on linkedin that you want if you leave a review and give me a screenshot of it so i can prove so you can prove that it was you and if you leave a good review i'll endorse you for whatever on linkedin and Heck, we'll, maybe we'll actually like read out inspired by the best and the worst from Ben Bateman and Andrew Kai. Maybe we'll just read out your reviews if you put them oh, up. Oh, yeah. On. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if people we'll really do that, that's very smart. That's very yeah, smart. I don't, care. I don't care if you give us shitty reviews, great reviews, whatever. Yeah. If you give us like a review that says, blah, 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 I'll read it. Did they do that. That's very clever of them. They very do. Clever. They're like, yeah, whatever you want, because it's regardless of what review you provide, it still gives them a boost. <laughs> so yeah. Take it. <laughs> okay. So you know what? On that note, 
I will read out one review we've gotten so far. Um, I don't know why we have 4.7. Somebody gave us a somebody gave us a three rating on, but didn't leave a review. So I don't know what what that person who was doing three says. A lot of the reviews are just about like how great they Juan is and the fact that they like Juan stuff. Um, but somebody well, said a cool guy, so you know, a pretty cool guy. Uh, somebody said thought provoking and fun. This is the show you. For you, if you like in-depth conversation about movies, life, art, and snacks. It's talking about me and Lon's show, but it could apply to anything that I do. Uh, this is a fun podcast that features two of my favorite people in Lon and Drew. What makes this show great show is that their friendship really comes through well done. So that's just one person. And if you leave a review, I will also read it and think a lot about it. Um, so guys, sorry, go ahead. Huge fan of Drew's stuff. Huge fan and. of Drew's stuff. Do you, do you see the one other review on there? And the last, but not least, it says, great variety of shows to please everyone. If you love movies, quirkiness, weirdness, and that's it. <laughs> oh, wait. I thought there was one more that I wrote. There was one that I wrote that was like, word. I love it so word. much. You wrote Word. I wrote Word? I don't think that was me. Like, that doesn't say my name, does it? It says GGB. Oh, wait, did you? There, I did leave a review. They must have, like, exercised it or something. I will leave myself another review. Bruce Leroy of Harlem. No, it said video drew. Like it said video drew reviewed, and I was like, this is so great. But anyway, no, I guys. Think it's video drew. I guess they like took out my own comment. That sucks. Um That's funny. But guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh come back next week to check out Girl Interrupted. And until then, keep it, keep it, what should we say? Keep it 100. Keep it main gold. Yeah, keep it main gold, pony boy. It's a good one. I like that. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys. <laughs> see you next week. Bye. Uh and then credit.